Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, Bulls Nation? And welcome into the CHGO Bulls Podcast, presented by PointsBet. Don't forget that PointsBet promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. Howdy and welcome in, hanging out here at our downtown West Loop CHGO studios. I'm Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. That's Big Dave. He's on Twitter at Bow, BWS Sports. Our guy Will, the thrill in the circle is at Won't Gottlieb on Twitter. We are CHGO underscore Bulls. We got our producer and our pal Joey hanging out with us today per usual. Hi, Joey. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Still no ball hoodie, huh, Joey? <laughs> hey, you're actually, yeah. How you doing, Will? Um, oh, damn it. You know, I was just going on a rant about Chandler Hutchison, so that's how I'm doing. Uh, I believe his name is Chandler Crutch Sore Shins. Yes. <laughs> Get it? Get it right. Respect the man. Shout out John Saban. That is, that is how my deranged mind works. On a, yes. Big Dave, on what a is summer the... summer day, I'm just thinking about Chandler Hutchison. <laughs> what is the sizing on the ball sports hoodies? Like, uh, What size do you like? You know, I think I'm a, like a larger medium usually, but... you're a medium. You think I'm a medium? I don't know about a large. That's what... Yeah, okay. Because you, you know, you're in shape. I'm a small guy, but... No, I'm not saying that if you're small. I'm saying you're nice and in shape and you're small and... Well, tight. I just want to make sure they run true to size or whatnot. I, oh, yeah. I have an XL. I mean, maybe, maybe you would want to get an L if... Uh, I might get an L. I, I rock a, you know, a little I, bit I bigger of a hoodie. Mine is 2XL. By the way, Ball Sports, check it out. Check out the hoodies. All right? Joey, Joey being nice right here. Uh, we've even already when got some even when people <laughs> in the comments getting excited about who we're talking about today, ah. gentlemen, and that is Tari Eason of LSU. Woo! He's on deck for today in our draft profiles, um, so we will get to him later on today's show. But before we do that, we must continue with our Bulls draft history uh, countdown. Let's do this. We did pick 30 yesterday. That was Jimmy Buckets, and yes. we rattled off some other names through the Bulls picked at 30 way back in the day. <laughs> None of whom did much of anything for the Bulls. So today, we're going to highlight one player who the Bulls took at 29, and then we'll also cover all of the players that they took at 28, none of whom really ever amounted to anything with the Chicago Bulls franchise. Uh, are we ready to do that, gentlemen? That just sounded so cruel. <laughs> Let's it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, you know. What, I mean, what is the balance? What is the excited. ratio of guys you hit in the draft Jack and are here and, and productive for a long time? Right. You know, I hear you. I, I get you. I get, it, just, it just sounded harsh. That's all. It just sounded harsh. That's all I'm saying. You're right. I'm Have you ever known me to be someone who sugarcoats things, Dave? Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Not really. 
You don't need to put the sugar on it, but yeah. I feel so it. I had forgotten this uh, until you presented this idea to us a few days ago, Big Dave, about mm-hmm. doing you know uh, the best player taken at every position in the Bulls draft history. Mm-hmm. The Croatian sensation oh. was a number 29 overall pick. He absolutely Which was. way back when was actually a second round pick yes. before the league expanded to 30 teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's what I think is so fascinating about this. And, you know, fair warning to all you Jerry Krause haters out there. And when our pal Stacy was here talking with us last week, he said Jerry Krause does not get nearly enough respect, gets way this. too much disrespect from this fan base. The fact that he found Tony Kukoc before people were bringing lots of players from Europe when he was as young as he was mm-hmm. is insane. Yeah. So if you see there, those are the accolades that Tony had accomplished playing overseas by the time the Bulls drafted him in June of 1990. Mm. And it's a pretty impressive list. You know, he was MVP of the U18 Eurobasket, MVP again of U19 World World Cup, mm-hmm. won a silver medal in 88, EuroLeague champion in 89 and 90, and the EuroLeague Final Four MVP in 1990, just a couple months before the Bulls drafted him. That's a pretty impressive list of accomplishments by the time Tony Kukoc was like, you know, 19, 20 years old. True. But then everything that he accomplished between then and when he finally actually came to the Bulls for the 93-94 season, ah, like, it's even it. doubled up. Yeah. If you go back and look, dude, when's the last time you looked at Tony Kukoc's basketball reference page? It's been a minute. It's insane everything that's on that list yeah. before he even came to the NBA. No, you're absolutely right, man. Like, it's a long list of things that he accomplished before he walked over, which is why he walked over prepared. Mm-hmm. That's why he walked over ready to play in the NBA. He was already a legend, like Matt said. Like, he was really, truly a legend over there already. He was their Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan of Europe. I, I yeah. heard that so many times. Yeah. And, of, and obviously, Michael Jordan heard this, and the reason that they were trying to put the clamps on his ass when they played him on the Dream Team, because Mike heard this and Scotty heard this, and they were like, no. Um, but, yeah, that's why he came over ready to go. And what I always remember about Tony Kukoc was his first game. I, I remember it like yesterday because they played the Milwaukee Bucks, and it was the first season without Michael Jordan, which yep. a true dark period in time. But it was the first season without him, very first game. He comes in, plays the Milwaukee Bucks. They're down by one, and Tony Kukoc hits the game-winning three. Not to, to, to take the lead. He hit it to win the game. Yeah, He hit the three to win it. That's his first introduction to the Chicago Bulls is I'm hitting game winners and this is what it's going to be like for me playing for this team right here. I was like, he's the man. Ever since, I'm like, nope, got nothing to say about him. He's not scared of anything. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And there are you know, many reasons why he was delayed in coming over, Will, uh, whereas oftentimes when international players are drafted nowadays, they come right away. They don't wait. They come right away like Luca did. Um, Luca and, and many others, but there, you know, Tony's native country was a war-torn country at the time, yeah. and he talks about it a little bit in the Last Dance when he was making that decision. He was also making way more money playing over uh, in the Treviso League in Italy than he would have had he come to the NBA. And he had, you know, a, a young family. He and his uh, girlfriend or wife had just had a baby, and he was like, "Yeah." I was waiting around because of this reason and that reason and this reason. And meanwhile, everybody in the NBA who went to Barcelona in 92 was like, ah, why is Jerry Cross so obsessed with this guy? He sucks. I was like, oh, because he couldn't beat the best basketball team ever assembled by himself? It's crazy when you go back and think how dismissive NBA players and NBA fans were 
of a guy like Tony Kukoc. Well, I'll also, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Will. Go ahead. I was going to say, he was like one of the f- players that sort of like ch- started to change the perception of Euro guys in the NBA. And uh, you mentioned Luca. Like, uh, wasn't there like that Sam Smith quote from maybe a couple of years ago? Like, if he would have come over now in today's modern NBA, he would have been what Luca is. Like, he was so good. And, and one of those guys, like, I think about this all the time. Like, where would, how would a guy do in a different era? And Kukoc just seems like the kind of guy that would have been exactly what you want in today's NBA, where he's like a big wing shot creator, offensive playmaker, um, can just kind of like do it all. And yeah, I mean, you got to see some of that in, in the triangle and, and sort of Phil Jackson um, empowering him to, to play to his strengths. But I would just have loved to see, see him in today's game. Yeah, and I also think, um, and I'm not disagreeing with your statement because there was definitely bias uh, for Tony Kukos coming in. But I think it also, he was kind of being done a disservice. I don't think purposely, but he was kind of being done a disservice with how he was brought in. And he, Jerry Krause was basically like, this is the savior. This mm-hmm. is the guy. Yeah. And not only are you bringing him in that way, you just lost Michael Jordan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you just lost the greatest player to ever play. And it felt like, yo, this is the replacement for him. And he's a guy from Europe. And at that time, you remember, and I'm sure you all remember, Europeans were not accepted like that. Like, they're going to be those kind of players like that. And you bring in a guy like that nobody's ever seen. Nobody's like, oh, Europe basketball isn't on the same level. The Dream Team just absolutely annihilated the world in the Olympics. And so you're bringing in this guy from there, and you're like, yeah, he's the one. This is going to be the guy. Yeah, that was immediately everybody was turned against him. And luckily, Bulls fans are loyal. Yeah. And Bulls fans are, are th- that kind of guys and those kind of people. So as soon as he got in here and they saw his game, it, it kind of changed uh, pretty quickly for him. And there was also, of course, the element of, and again, this is something else that was talked about in the last dance, for those of you who might be younger Bulls fans and weren't around. Um, the, uh, I think the, the analogy MJ used was like Jerry Krause having like a new favorite adopted child while his actual children were right. here and in his house and like providing him with every joy he should possibly right. ever want or right. need. The Bulls had just won back-to-back titles before they went and played in Barcelona when MJ and Scotty were like, you know, Jerry Krause drafted this kid two years ago. He's still over here playing in Europe, and it, we're not impressed by anybody winning Euro League. Right. Like, what the hell? Right. This is the NBA. Right, this exactly. is where the, the, the great players are. Yeah. And... uh Meanwhile, like Scotty was the amazing Robin to Batman, had won two titles, was an all-star along with MJ, was cons- widely considered one of the best players in the NBA, and was making pennies. pennies. And Jerry was so obsessed with Tony and convincing Tony to come play on this team when the focus some of the Bulls players believed from their GM should be on what he has in front of him right now. Yeah, seriously. It's like- understandable. Like, what? Where did you fall on that whole argument and debate of the way that Krause fawned over Tony when he had, you know, a dynasty already sitting in his house, Will? I mean, I think it's a it's a common thing even today. Like, you know, you hear about GMs picking their guy and um, it's sort of like something you can hang your hat on as a as a decision maker where, you know, sometimes you you know, start with the team, for example, like AK picked up this team and there's like all these guys and he ends up trading them all. And then his first pick is Patrick Williams. Like he's going to hang his hat on Patrick Williams. And that's going to be a big part of his legacy as the lead decision maker. So I get it from that standpoint, but like, 
it's so difficult when you're talking about literally the greatest team of all time and like sort of the egos and dynamics there. So I kind of see both sides and I understand why Kraus would have been so attached and like wanted Kukoc to succeed so bad because like he invested that that was his guy. That was the decision he made. It was a, it was the thing that he could like show off as his own. Um, so it's just like a weird ego thing and like preserving your job. And I think that's still common in today's NBA. Like we had hiking on a couple of weeks ago. That's sort of a thing that he's talked about before with the Blazers of uh, Neil O'Shea, like CJ really being Neil O'Shea's guy and not wanting to trade him or split up Dame and CJ because that was his draft pick. And like he succeeded. He doesn't want to like get rid of that. So um, totally think that's still a part of the game today for sure. This will do. What do you think Tony's uh, reception would be here if he came here today? Like we know what his game would be. You know his game would definitely be fit fitting here uh, in today's league and NBA. But what do you think his reception uh, would be, especially kind of among fans? Because I think basketball fans are a little more cynical uh, nowadays. Uh, no matter where you're coming from, I don't care where you're coming from. They're a little more cynical about whatever player is coming in. What do you think his uh, reception would be? Yeah, I mean, everybody's going to have haters, but like we're in an era right now where arguably the top three players in the league are international guys. You have Luka, Giannis, and Embiid. And Kukoc kind of laid the groundwork for that, like I said. I mean, he was like one of the first, obviously, you had like Olajuwon and, and other um, non Americans in the league. Two time reigning MVP who is also an international player. It's crazy. But it's true, like, you know, and I think, yeah, so that that kind of changed. And I think he would have been welcomed more in today's game, especially, like I said, the kind of player that he is, because that's what everybody wants their team to have. That's like the guy that you want to build around. And I think he certainly had the skill set and the talent to be able to be that guy. And uh, I, I think there's less cynicism now as far as the Euro player and all of the adjectives that follow that from some NBA play, NBA fans who think that Euro players are soft, lazy, don't play defense, whatever, whatever. Right. And a lot of that was said about Tony when he arrived. Sure. And some of it was true. Like sure. Tony Kukoc did not know how to play defense no. at an NBA level when he arrived. And no, he did not. It was a struggle for him. But, yeah. um, you know, I think there's also the reality that some of the best players, the upper echelon players in the NBA are now international players. The people, those people don't have any argument left. They have no leg left to stand on. They're like, oh, players from Europe aren't as good. They're not good enough to play in the NBA. Your boy Fred said that about Luca as he was coming into the draft, as I recall. Catching strays. No the, only, the only people left who don't believe in Euro players are dumb, dumb basketball fans like that. Oh, God. He, he just put him down with Euro players, period. My God. Oh, um, I will. I, I agree with you. Uh, I do think it's a little more cynicism now, though, um, because basketball is more 24 7 now than it was then. So getting Tony now means immediately he's got to go to summer league. You know what I'm saying? And so people would, the judgment would be upon him immediately when he walks in on that summer league court. And I mean, the takes would be flying, not, not only from, you know, writers. But especially from fans, you know, those takes would be flying from Tony. Oh, he can't play defense that immediately. <laughs> immediately, Matt. They, G League, put him down there. Send him to G League. He's got to go down there. And I think I, I thought that he came at just the right time in the right era. Because now when you see Euro players come in, or just even international players in general just come in now, 
you don't you don't look at it kind of in that sense of oh man he can't play defense so immediately he's trash. You know what I mean? You like well yeah well Luca's not great. You know what I'm saying at it. Well you know Joker's not great at it. You know like let's see what he's got. You know let's see his offensive game. You know let's see how it can evolve and help our team now. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. If your your game speaks for yourself at at a certain point, and if you're that good, you're that good, and people are gonna like you. So. Obviously, like they're going to be opposing teams that can't stand you because you beat them all the time. But I mean, if you're if you're that dude, you're that dude. You can't really argue. You're that dude. I'm, you're that dude. Come on, Will. And, you know, Tony was that dude. I, I saw a lot of people on NBA Twitter when Tony was named a Hall of Fame member last year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, saying, "Oh, come on, he doesn't deserve it." That was people crazy. forget all the time that the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame is not the National Basketball Association Hall of Fame. Look at his resume before he even put on a Bulls jersey because he won all of the awards. (laughs) How many of them? All of them. Um, And you know what? You have to credit Jerry Krause. He was one of the first people who was like, I'm going to go scout in Europe. And he found that dude. And he wasn't maybe as good as Jerry Krause thought. Like, he thought he could build a championship team around Tony. He did. That was the plan, and that's what Jerry wanted because it drove him crazy that for all the championship supporting rosters he built around MJ, he didn't pick MJ. Right. MJ was here right before Jerry arrived. So, right. Uh, All right, so before we move on and talk about Tara Eason, I know you guys are uh, eager to get to that, as am I. Let's look real quickly at some of the other picks at 29 that the Bulls had throughout franchise history because it's a pretty poopy list. Um, (laughs) So Larry Michaud, who, Uh by the way, was a draft day trade, Uh never played for the Bulls. Travis Knight in 96. Mm -hmm. That is a name that my brain had officially deleted. Yes. Trenton Hassel in 2001. I would accept no Trenton Hassel slander, sir. I, we, why did I feel like you were going to have some yes. kind of inexplicable love for Trenton Hassel? No, I'll wait. tell you why. Because this was Big Dave's pick for Random Bulls Generator a couple yeah. weeks ago. Oh, that's the it? only reason oh, I know this guy. <laughs> that's not the only reason, but that's part of it. That's yeah, the only reason right. I know him. Oh, that's, that's the only reason I know. I know him. That's true. That's very true. But he was my pick from Random Bulls Generator. But I was a big Trenton Hassel fan when he was here. Um, because of what I talked about on the show, like, well, he, like, he, he was a guy who was a defender. That's all he did. He played defense and he, he never did anything wrong for me. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, he's just a solid basketball player. Ended up with like a 15 year career, you know, played with that Minnesota team that went to the conference finals for the one and only time. Uh, he was a starting guard on that team. You know what I'm saying? Like he was, I liked Tritton Hassel, uh, his whole career. I thought he had a very nice career, Will. Yeah, I you said it all on the on the show. I have nothing more to add on Trent Nassel, but I will talk about Marcus Teague, aka could have been Draymond Green. Uh, that was always fun. That was fun. I, I I got a lot of my anger out when we were talking about Chandler Hutchison earlier. I don't know if I have too much more to say. Oh, there's plenty of anger that's always left on the table for Marquise Teague. Well, <laughs> well, I, will, I think the, ahead, will, the thing please. that you can think about with Marcus Teague is. Who was taken after him? So I'm going to name a few guys. Uh-oh. Uh, pick 32, Tomas Adaransky, our boy. Obviously, you know, not a star, but certainly better than Marcus Teague because he played in the league. Jay Crowder at 34. Draymond at 35. Uh, Chris Middleton at 39. Will Barton at 40. And uh, let's see if there's anybody else down here. Not really. But that, I mean, those are some players. Like you could you had multiple other guys you could have taken. And they ended up with an unplayable guy. Now, we saw the value of hitting on a late draft pick in Jimmy Butler, who we talked about yesterday. 
like that can totally change your franchise. And then you see the other side of it uh, at 29 with Marquis Teague and, and you just kind of lose a year. And what's, what's important about what you mentioned, Will, is you named some guys who are defensive player of the years, all-stars and NBA champions. And I mean, not just being on and the playing team. playing at a high level in the playoffs factors. this year. <laughs> This year, right. We saw a team didn't make it because they didn't have Middleton on their team. You know, we saw the Bucks not even go further mm-hmm. because they didn't have that second-round pick there. So, that, yeah, that's, that's what makes it even sting a little bit more when you talk about it. Jam that knife in a little hard, a little extra on that one. Teague spanning two seasons, well, one and a half seasons mm-hmm. uh, before they traded his ass. Um, <laughs> 67 appearances, including two starts, didn't even average 10 minutes a game. Wow, I thought he was going to say points. <laughs> said oh, minutes, so no, man. he averaged 2.1 points there in his go. 67 games played for the Bulls. There we go. Hot oh, garbage. The hottest. Speaking of, of hot garbage, uh, Joey, let's quickly take a look at every player the Bulls selected with the 28th overall pick. Ooh. We are going to have to double up on some of these days because oh. there are more number of picks than there are show days left between now and the draft. Oh. Um, so, name that probably sticks out on that whole long list is the most recent, uh, that being Norris Cole, who was involved in a draft night train. Yes. With, with apologies to Larry Kuskowiak, you know, who... Did also get traded from the Bulls draft night and then found his way back to the Bulls later on, which is crazy. That is crazy. Um, <laughs> also, you know, shout outs to Keith Booth and Corey Benjamin. I remember when I was a kid, obsessed with the Dynasty team, them being drafted and being like, oh, I wonder if these young guys are going to be any good, get any minutes. And, you know, of course, the answer is no. Yeah, no, zero. And, I mean, Corey Benjamin. <laughs> I mean, he stuck around for a little while, you know, post-Dynasty. But he we, was on some of those Tim Floyd teams. But, yeah, but, you know, his claim to fame, Corey Benjamin's claim to fame is when he walked in that locker room talking crazy about M. Jeff, talking crazy about Mike when Mike had retired, when took his locker, all that other stuff. Like, he's Corey. Your name's Corey Benjamin, all right? <laughs> and then Mike shows up at the gym like, what? Get your stuff. We about to play. He, after practice – Mike bust his ass after practice, and then that was, his career was over. Like Mike, how Mike is soul crushing. All right, like you, you broke his psyche. Broke that man's soul, <laughs> dog. He took his soul and threw it into the trash. Michael Jordan is, is a psychopath, and I love him. I don't want to. I don't want to forget about two-time NBA champion Norris Cole, Come who on. actually sent me down the pathway of misery here about Chandler Hutchinson, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, Traded on draft night from the Bulls in exchange for the rights to Nico Miritich. Nico Miritich obviously uh, had his little t- stint with the Bulls after um, staying in Europe for a few years, but then was traded to the New Orleans Pelicans in exchange for the draft pick that became number 22, which became Chandler Hutchison. So that is the full circle of my rage at Chandler Hutchison today. And, uh, you know, we got to call out a two-time champ, Norris Cole. Yeah, shout out. And I had forgotten also that, so it was like a three-team trade essentially on that draft night with Minnesota and then Miami being the team that eventually got Norris Cole. Minnesota traded Cole to Miami for the rights to Boyan Bogdanovich. Wow. And a second-round pick. I forgot wow. that Bogdanovich was involved in that trade too. He's been around that long. Huh? I was like, wait, Bogdanovich got was around in 2011? Wow, I didn't even put that Crazy. And, and then you see Bogdanovich running around in NBA court and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's 45. <laughs> 
Another weird connection there is that the Jazz, when they signed Bogdanovich, I think it was 20, it must have been 2018, um, they had tried to get Nico and used that money instead on Bogdanovich when Nico decided to go back to Europe to play. So another weird connection there. Yeah, and of course, uh, since there were some names on there that I didn't know, mm -hmm. and players from back in the day. Like Paul Ruffner? Like Paul Ruffner. Ricky Winslow? Come on now. Immediately. I go to my oldest brother and I speak to him, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I gotta find a name for this segment, <laughs> but I go to my oldest brother and, you know, I ask him if he knew some of these players. He knew two. Um, Larry Michaud was one that he knew. He said his nickname was Mr. Mean. He said he was a car carrying member of Phi Slamma Jamma. He was on the that OG team. The OG Houston team? The OG Houston no team. He was on wow. that squad, man. He said nobody messed with him. He said I was a tough dude. He didn't talk a lot, but nobody really messed with him. And you just mentioned you said Ricky Winslow also went to Houston. Uh, he went there as a freshman, but, you know, they got beat up by Georgetown. He said right. he would duck everything, everything. He said he would <laughs> duck on you something ugly and just real nasty, but that was pretty much his skill set. Dude, we, we got to just bring your brother on for one of these segments. Oh, he'll come. Oh, he'll come. When we he'll talk come. about players the Bulls selected 26 in 1984. Dude, he know. would talk for hours on this stuff, man. Yes, I'm going to try to get him here. He is a professional person with a nine-to-five job, but he'll take it off, uh, hopefully, <laughs> for me. But we'll see, man. But, yeah, I told him this. I said, man, I got to find a name for this because I know he's going to know all this. Dude is a sports fanatic. It's where I get it from. So, yeah, shout-out to my brother Jay John Jr., man, my guy. Um, I, I did want to – I, I said this to you guys sometime last evening while I was going through all of these draft picks mm -hmm. in our, uh, our thread together. Keith Booth – a name that I had forgotten. Yes. Drafted by the Bulls with a 28th in 97. This man is an NBA champion. <laughs> Cannot ever <laughs> take that away from Keith Booth. We've got a ring. NBA champion. Made six appearances in the last dance season of 97-98. Averaging 2.8 minutes per, per appearance. Come on, Keith. That man was a mop-up duty <laughs> roster at spot and nothing else. Playoff guy. appearance? Not a single <laughs> second. Not even playoff blowout victories. The man never saw oh, the wow. floor in the playoffs. That is impressive. He has a ring. Shout out Assuming to Keith Assuming he hasn't, Booth. you know, sold it at Fair this point. point. Fair point. I'd like to know what Keith Booth is doing now, man. Shout out to Keith Booth. And again, those are these picks that Will was talking about. Like, what, didn't the Bulls, why weren't they drafting last all yeah, this time? there you and go. Like, we're going to get into that. Yeah, then you get into these names like this, Will. Then you get into Keith Booth. Him and Corey, then the Corey Benjamin the next This is year. why people right. tune in. Right, right, to hear our analysis <laughs> on Keith Booth and Corey Benjamin. Obviously. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, they probably also tune in to hear us uh, talk about the 2022 NBA draft class. Mm. So we'll do that coming up next in just a minute. Yes. Uh, but first, Big Dave, Yeah, yeah. you want to tell the people? I do want to tell the people the best way to support what we do here is CHGO. Mm -hmm. It's to download that PointsBet app and use that code CHGO when you sign up. Because if you do that right now, you'll get two, count them, one, two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of that awesome web content. And you'll even get a free T-shirt of your choice from that CHGO locker. 
That's 2,000 in free bets of free CHGO membership, a free T-shirt when you sign up from that CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. And introducing y'all, you know what it is. It's that live NBA same game parlay. For that first time ever, you can build that perfect live NBA same game parlay. You can do that only away points bets. You can combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And if you want more, and we know you do Chicago. Ooh, you can also boost your live NBA same game parlays, y'all. You can watch live parlay live, boost live, and partay live with Ooh. points bet. And everybody here in this beautiful state of Illinois, in this wonderful city of Chicago, where the weather is friendly to a fat man outside, as far as what it says, but not how it feels, because the humidity is like 88%. Oh. So it's like 60 degrees out there, but it feels like 82, and that's not fun. Like a all dishwasher right? out there. Oh, come on, man. But you can stay inside and avoid all of that, y'all, and you can download that PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish and do it all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Because once that game starts... No, 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 you don't just bet. Will the thrill in Brazil. Tell them what you do. You live your bet life. Come on, Joey. Money, money. Money. Mm. Money. I love it when it's timed brilliantly. So excited <laughs> to spend some time on my favorite points bet app for these NBA finals. I know you are. Tomorrow. Yo, thing. Game one. Spending money. I'm on points bet. <laughs> uh, today's episode also brought to you all by Strava Craft Coffee, Ooh. which is a game changer and has helped thousands of people improve their overall wellness and quality of life. Strava delivers delicious, fresh roasted specialty coffee infused with organic broad spectrum CBD. CBD from hemp doesn't make you high or hungry, but it does offer real benefits that can help you feel alert and focused without those coffee jitters. Live your day more balanced with less anxiety, fewer aches and pains. Plus, including CBD in your daily routine can even help you enjoy more restful sleep so you wake up feeling your best. Mm. And the best part is this travel is all about quality, everything small batch, fresh, fresh and shipped straight to your door. Mm. Right to your door, Dave. Right there. It was funny. I was actually talking to some friends about Strava over the weekend. Do tell. I was at my buddy Trent's house. Shout out, Trent. We were all hanging out on his rooftop watching Game 7. Great softball six player. Nets. Great That's softball player, Trent. And uh, we were talking. Hey, <laughs> softball king. Is that what you? Good That's player. true. He's a good he's, player. He's one of our okay. CHO softball ringers. I mean, he's Joe a good dude. He must be the man. Um, and uh, somebody was asking me about like our sponsors at CHO, and I was going to run down the list, and I was like, well, I have Big Dave do this read because it's something about like you know living healthy. And then I have Big Dave do this other thing that's about, you know, living healthy. Uh, but I do the Strava one because I actually started drinking the CBD coffee and I love it and I feel better. So I was actually doing just a completely natural environment, off the cuff mm -hmm. Strava promo. Proud of you. And everybody around me was like, I got to try some of that stuff. Do, yeah, because they know you and they know if it's working for you, man. It's true. It's and it is. Mm -hmm. I feel better drinking it. I've just sort of slowly replaced my old coffee with this Strava CBD coffee. I feel better. I'm alert. I'm focused. And I sleep better at night. So what are you waiting for? Because you can also get 25% off right now off that order at StravaCraftCoffee.com using promo code CHGO25. That's CHGO25 promo code at checkout for 25% off your order at StravaCraftCoffee.com. Try it. Do it. Get you some of that. You guys ready to talk about every the, time uh, you say uh, every time you say what are you waiting for? I, I almost just have to say live your best life. <laughs> <laughs> just, he has been trained. It almost just it just comes out. 
I mean, you are allowed to simultaneously drink Strava coffee while living your bet life, <laughs> making bets on points bet. This is true. Nobody said that those th two things have to be mutually exclusive. He is right. If you're a multitasking kind of person, do both. I can guarantee you he's doing I, I was, I was going to I guarantee you at least one time over the last two months, uh -huh. I've been sipping Strava coffee while having the PointsBet app open on my phone. Like, there is a 0% chance that hasn't happened at some point I'm yet. I'm saying by one, he means a million. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who wants to talk about Tari Eason? I know Will does. Joey does. Dave does. I do, too. Um, Will, you said that you are a Tari kind of guy uh, <laughs> yesterday. Let, let's, uh, let's let you start, man. We've got plenty to break down here uh, of this LSU product, but what is it that uh, has you most excited about this guy? Shout out, too, to our guy Eric over at DNVR for coming up with some cool-ass graphics really for these cool draft profiles. Graphic. But, Will, take it away. Tari Eason, tell Bulls Nation why they should love him. All right, so let me just start with uh, some of his profile here. So, for one... He's definitely in the range of the Bulls, which is always like, you don't want to be talking about a top 10 guy when the Bulls are never going to get him. Um, I think 18 would be sort of like the lowest he might go, but it seems like he's being mocked in that area. So ESPN, The Athletic, and then Rafael Barlow of NBA Big Board. Those are awesome graphics, by the way. Uh, they've been, they've all mocked Tari to the Bulls. So that that's great to see. Basically, this dude is... Just a monster athlete. He's 6'8 with a 7'2 wingspan. Um, he had like one of the most, uh, I guess, famous um, combine measurements, which was having 11 inch hands, which basically is just like Kawhi Leonard sized hands. Um, and yeah, just a tremendous athlete. I mean, if you just watch some of his highlights, it's kind of like Mark Williams we were talking about yesterday, where he's literally dunking everything, but he's got a little bit more of a face up game. Um, definitely more perimeter oriented and um, has just been a super efficient scorer in his first couple of years. So um, we can get into like some strengths and defense and weaknesses and sort of fit on both sides of the ball. But just curious for you guys, what was your first impression looking at him and looking at some tape ahead of uh, our show today? Uh, well, to be real, it was okay. Really, I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I really like it. Not super impressed. I wasn't really over the moon. Okay. I'm not gonna lie to you about it. I wasn't really over the moon. But let me start with the strengths because I think Will did a great job touching on those. Immediately, what jumps out at you is the athleticism. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact he, like Will said, dunks every single thing. The steals this man was making by forget. Let me talk about just the, the meathead steals, as I call them, where people are trying to drive to the cup, and he is just putting his hand on the ball and stopping you immediately. You can't go anywhere. That's, that's meathead stuff to me. That's like Paul Bunyan stuff. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah he's so strong. He can stop you from moving with one hand. You know what I mean? That's like tall tale kind of thing that he was doing. And he did that often because his hands are huge, and he is so physically strong. Um, but as far as the basketball side of it is in his steals – the way he would, would jump those passing lanes is super impressive. Uh, I love the way he would guard uh, the, the uh, uh, ball handler outside the three-point line, and he makes you try to dribble the ball, but his length won't allow it. Mm -hmm. And so when you try to do that, he's taking it from you immediately. Like, and then when he takes it from you, he's gone. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you're not getting that. You know what I mean? He's gone and he's going to finish it correctly and make the right move, which is usually him jumping from the three-point line and dunking the basketball because he is incredibly gifted at that. I love the fact that he can draw fouls, too. 
uh, he can get to the lane and get to the free throw line. Pretty good at committing fouls, too. Yeah. yeah I'm gonna- <laughs> Very good at making them, too. I mean, uh, most guys who play that defense like that, yeah. you know, I like that. They can, they can do that. But he draws those fouls, and the Bulls don't really have that. We mm. talked about how impressed I was with Zach doing it during the season. Mm-hmm. It's because they only had two guys. It was Zach and it was DeMar. They don't really have another guy who can get his own, you know, shot at the free throw line. And he can definitely do that. And I thought that was impressive also. Uh, but I was more impressed by his defense more than anything when I would watch him play. Just how physical it was, how intelligent it was, and how he was just an irritant and a- athletic irritant, which is just really scary. Because you couldn't do anything as far as guys trying to run their play. If you're trying to start something from outside the three-point line and he's the one guarding you, oh boy, good luck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. that length and athleticism is going to bother you, man. And I really like that about him. Now, the other thing I like, Will, that he does – his footwork for me isn't the greatest, but his recovery is spectacular. And that's what I yeah. liked about him so much is, like, boom. Like, he would get beat on a move, Matt. He would get beat on it, but you weren't going to score because he knows how to use his length, man. And those shot blocks using that wingspan that he had and those huge hands are definitely going to come into play. So his defense is what's going to get him on the floor and uh, have him play. And I think he could definitely impact the team uh, that way. So for me, those were his biggest uh, strengths. Yeah, I mean, the defense is definitely going to be his calling card, especially early on in his career. Uh, and you said, I mean, like the awareness and anticipation on some of these um, where he's like jumping passing lanes and getting out in transition. I mean, you can just imagine like him on the Bulls where they really were amazing at that in the first half of the year. And then their offense fell off a cliff when that stopped happening. So I think it'd be a great fit in that regard. But I think what impressed me the most about him defensively and what I think separates him from Mark Williams for me is that he can move his feet. Now, the footwork, I agree with you, is not great at this point, but like I have no issues with him guarding point guards on switches. Like he's going to be able to guard one through five. And I, I could see him playing some small ball center next to Patrick Williams. And just, I mean, like, think about the versatility, the athleticism, the switchability. Like, I mean, I just see him being a really, really incredible defender and one who's versatile enough to play multiple different styles. And I think that's really just something that, like, basically you need to have in today's NBA, but also something that the Bulls have not had yet. So I think there's, like, some crossover with Patrick Williams, um, which I think has some pros and cons, but I also can see them totally playing together, which I think would be just a really fast-paced, versatile, switchy, defense and something that like the Bulls could really use not just like this next year but like as Vooch and DeMar sort of go on the decline or maybe leave the team that's like a front court that I would be super excited about for the next 10 years now it makes sense now now I know why Will loves him because now it's the small ball factor that's coming into play okay I I get it I get it Will I get you now bro I got you but but again like it doesn't have to be Small ball. That's one of a lot of different options as far as how you can make Tari useful on the defensive end. I, I agree with you guys in that I think he can guard one through five in the NBA because of the ridiculous length. Six eight guy who has a seven two and a half wingspan. Sure. Plus, as Will mentioned, the hands with you know <laughs> like bigger hands than it's the like paw. Hand. Bigger hands hand. than the claw. They're huge. Um because you guys uh, talked uh, w- well and uh, thoroughly about it, what, what we know he can do on defense, I will shift to say the thing that jumps out to me when I took a closer look at Tari is how much his numbers jumped 
offensively mm. when he went through that transfer portal after his freshman year at Cincy and then played his sophomore season at LSU. And that is something you can be excited about and then also skeptical about. Mm. Um, Joe, so you want to see those stats, please? He went from playing 20 minutes a game with Cincy as a freshman to 24 and a half uh, as a sophomore with LSU and went from scoring 7.3 points per game to 16.9. So basically a 10 points per game jump from year one to year two. And then it's also the shooting splits that jump out at you. Um, Increased his overall field goal percentage from 46 to 52. Mm -hmm. Three-point percentage on... 1.3 attempts per game as a freshman, he shot 24% behind the arc. On 2.4 attempts per game, sophomore year at LSU, he managed to get that up all the way to nearly 36%. And then a little bit of a closer look, you discovered that he made a significant change in his shooting motion between his freshman and sophomore years. Uh, He put his supporting hand, his non-shooting hand, back on the ball for a longer part of his release while also cleaning up his release. But now his release is basically all the way shifted over to holding it where his right shoulder is. It's a right-handed shooter who's shouldering over his right shoulder. So if you look at his splits on the floor, he's shooting like mid to high 40% from the right corner and the, you know, the, the right elbow. Left side and center, because he's shooting from the right side of his body, his alignment's all messed up. And in those spots of the floor, he's shooting in like the 20s. Wow. So impressive what you saw him do making a jump offensively from year one to year two in college. But I have serious questions about his shooting form and whether or not it can become something that he's reliable and a threat to knock down and space the floor from all over the floor. That's where I'm at. Go ahead, go ahead, Will. Yeah, I think that's a a really fair concern. The way I look at it, though, is to your point, Matt, like he changed some things and the numbers went up. And so I think you could like reasonably expect him to continue working on a shot. Right now, it is very much like on the right side of of his head, which is weird and not how you would like traditionally teach a dude to shoot. And it's very like far away from his face and kind of catapulty. He's definitely going to have some work to do. And I think that is like... There's a concern there for me that's like, is he another one of those, like, if only he could shoot guys, you know, because the Bulls have plenty of those. They've got some defenders who like, oh, if only they could shoot Javante Green, Derek Jones, like, we don't really need any more of those guys. But I do think the fact that he did improve is actually, you know, some people will say like, oh, he's a little bit older and he just kind of like physically overwhelmed guys. One, I think that's true. He is a little bit older and he physically overwhelmed guys, but he's so physically overwhelming that he'll, I think, continue to be able to do that at the NBA level. And given the track record of improvement, definitely on the volume and the free throw line, I mean, going from 57% up to 80 um, on 5.7 attempts per game is really, really impressive. So uh, I don't think he's going to be an offensive creator early on in his career. Like his handle is not great. He hasn't really shown much in the way of like passing vision or playmaking, but um, in transition is an absolute tire fire from what I've watched erratic, (laughs) but I think that like early on in his career, he fills a role where he can either like stand in the corner and like catch and shoot threes, which he's capable of doing from the right side of the court. Um, And then I think he could also be sort of that rim roller, just like catch lob guys, uh, which I think has been really enticing for, a lot of Bulls fans um, with Mark Williams, for example. And then I think later on in his career, like if he tightens up his footwork and his shot release, like he could be a pick and pop option. 
Um, I think he's going to be able to hopefully learn how to play make in the short role and just like make that connecting pass. Uh, and, and if he does those two things, and those are big ifs, like those are hard things to learn, but they are teachable. He could be like a very, very good player. But I think right now in the immediate future, you're getting an impact skill, which is defending at a high level and having multiple different forms of being able to defend. And then he can also just spot up and shoot. And if you can do just that at age 21, age 22, as Damar again is like reaching the peak of his uh, powers with the Bulls and then start to develop some of that other stuff when he sort of gets a little bit older on that same timeline as Patrick and Io and even Lonzo and Kobe, if they stick around. Um, I think he just kind of like, I've said it before, like he kind of threads the needle of being good now and also being able to develop um, with the rest of that younger core down the road and become like a very, really solid and um, versatile player, which I think the Bulls just need a lot more of. Like you're looking at the Celtics, the Heat, all these teams have these big six, eight, six, nine wings. And the Bulls have a bunch of six, four, six, five guys, which is great. They're very versatile, but they need some more length. And I think he really fits the bill. You're right on on that, and I'm, I'm glad you spoke on, touched on that, because that, those were kind of things where I was eh on when I would watch him offensively. Um, well, you mentioned his, his uh, three-point shooting. Yeah, he, I, thought, I thought he could be a good catch-and-shoot guy, but he's got to be open for that, you know what I mean, because it takes yeah. him so long to get that ball off. It reminded me of Patrick Williams a little bit in that sense. Whew. But I wrote, Patrick, I wrote this down write in my a chapter notes, like, of a novel while he's getting that <laughs> yeah, shot off. yeah. Go ahead, Will. He, he he reminds me a lot of like a kind of like a hybrid of like Tyrus Thomas and Patrick Williams, where he's just like freak athlete, runs around like a madman. And that's like my kind of player. I love that. Actually, yeah. If like you can take the best of both, okay. But it's the fact yeah. you said Tyrus Thomas that kind of just threw everything. Yeah. When you say that name. Yeah, it, it kind of hurt a little bit. Ugh. It felt like a punch for Ugh. some reason. Yeah. I like I'm I'm a Tyrus guy, all right? Sue me. How? How, How is world? anyone a Tyrus guy? A Tyrus guy. Unacceptable. It's more about the idea of Tyrus than actually how good he was. Well, obviously and that's why you gave up LaMarcus Aldridge for, for the idea of Tyrus Thomas. That's why they, you get LaMarcus, then you don't it. get Derrick Rose. So. See, but why you do this to me? Well, don't bring uh, me here. Don't bring me here. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I'm still stuck on Chandler Hutchison, all right? Like, I'm just yeah, trying no. to drag you down with me. <laughs> Misery loves company. I feel you. You're right. You're right. Um, but yeah, but the difference with me with uh, Patrick was one, Patrick hit his, and two, Patrick Williams could could put the ball on the floor and get to the bucket. You also mentioned his ball handling. Oh my goodness, it's not good at all. He he can't dribble the ball, and he doesn't have a left hand at all. Oh no, like oh. He's, he's got a right hand. And he's going right. Period. Refuses you know to finish with his left. <laughs> Dude, he's, it cannot. Just, it doesn't exist. You know what I mean? He just does not have one. Um, I don't like that he lacks confidence in his shot. And we talked about, I talked about this with Mark Williams. I, and I said it there. I know Mark Williams didn't have a shot, but he wasn't hesitant and he had a confidence in it, you know, which is why I thought he could be a spot up shooter, maybe down the line. He doesn't have that same confidence to me when he's taking that shot. I think he's more confident when he's, it's wild. Cause he's more confident putting the ball on the floor when he's getting to the bucket on transition than he is putting the ball on the floor, trying to create something on the perimeter mm -hmm. for himself. You know what I mean? Like when it's like he he's laser focused when he gets that steal or something in that transition. I know what I got to do. You know what I mean? I'm getting to the bucket because it's right hand dominant. You know what I mean? You don't have to switch across nobody over or think about it. You like boom to the bucket. I'm out there. I'm going. But I, I want him to have more confidence in when he shoots the basketball 
Uh, I don't care. Again, I don't care. Like I said, I don't care if they throw it in the ocean. I just want you to have the confidence to shoot it. And he has. He doesn't have that confidence right now to shoot that basketball. But one thing I forgot to mention about him that I do love too is when he's running that lane, man. It reminded me of Carl Malone so much because Carl Malone was the best I had ever seen a big man running the lane. He filled those lanes perfectly. And it reminded me of that when I would see him feel those lanes and running those uh, in college without the ball or even with the ball. He knew exactly how, where to be and when to make that cut and when to make that drive and on that angle. And that's stuff that certain players have to be taught when they come yeah. to the NBA. And he already has that down. So, But I do I think he's more lethal in transition as a guy running in a lane correct. without the ball. Correct, correct. It's that's like, why I said Carl Malone. Like, yeah. He's not a dribbler. He right. say at all. But it's the fact that he's 6'8", and some of those things – I think he's going to have to dribble. You know what I mean? He's going to have to do that. He's going to have to shoot a three. He will need to improve his handles. Yes, right. He's going yeah. to have to. If he was Mark Williams, I, I wouldn't think, care. You know what I mean? But he's I, going I, to actually, have to have those I think things. That's, that's true for Mark Williams, too. Like, you can't hide anymore. You have to be able to do stuff. And I think if you just look at what he can do right now, like the numbers say, and it's definitely not perfect. Like, he's going to need work on it. He's going to need some mechanical changes. And he's gonna, that's gonna like lead to more confidence once he gets there. Like he can shoot the ball. Like he's got shooting percentage to back that up. And as opposed to a Mark Williams who like only can dunk the ball. And for me, give me the more versatile defender who can do basically everything on that end, whether it's protect the rim or get out on the perimeter, who has also shown a capability of being able to perform another skill at a high level on offense. All right, hold on. One, 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 I see somebody be smirching the name of the legend in the comments. Who yeah. is this Barton Shaw? Well, so talking I, crazy about the legend. When, when you were getting wait, upset wait, about doing? the mention of Tyrus Thomas, he's what the naming of be smirching. Yeah, he's be smirch. You ever heard? You don't know the word besmirch. Go back to college, Joey. <laughs> no, I don't. Take some English classes. <laughs> two degrees, uh, Joey. Two of them, bro. <laughs> Barton Shaw saying says the Matt Thomas. There's a difference. Tyrus Thomas was. Heralded as a guy who was going to make the Bulls really good because he was going to be really good. Yes. Manny Legend is a joke. Yes. That's not, you're comparing apples well, and oranges. I again, I don't like how strong you said that right there. Manny Legend is a legend, all right? And we are lucky that we got to see him play. A legendary punchline. Will, Will has even Can mentioned I? that he is lucky he <laughs> got to watch Hold him play on. in practice. Meanwhile, peek behind the scenes, Joey is Googling the word besmirch <laughs> right now. <laughs> Damage the reputation <laughs> of someone or something in the opinion oh of others. <laughs> Is there a question of vocabulary? I've never heard the word besmirch yeah, before. Like, There's no way I was the only person wondering what that meant. No, so, that just makes you feel better saying that, sir. You might have been I, the only one. No, know. Do, you know what? Chime in in the comments if you were curious about the definition of besmirch. <laughs> I I'm going to have more words for you, too. Please, listen, I'm not opposed to learning new things. I love That's it. That's why I like Pax so a Shakespeare head, yeah. you know? He That's likes why I it. I love him. Old English. But if you don't learn. know a word that you absolutely should know <laughs> as a functioning adult, then we're going to make fun of you a little bit. That's okay. I'm open to it. Growth. Okay. Keep growing, Joey. Maybe skipped a couple grades. I don't know. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Joey's an intelligent human being, sir. I, oh, I know that. That's why I'm so surprised you didn't know the word. <laughs> Barton says, I am fully besmirched. <laughs> like, it's his fault if he doesn't know, like, a reference we make to a 90s TV show. Yeah, that is it's not his fault. Long off the air. Yeah, or, or an artist or music artist right, or something yeah. like that. Right, yeah. That's, that, you know, that's we fun. don't fault him for his youth. No, no, no. I it's, a fun, fun, it's a fun yeah, game it's to a play. Fun, yeah, it's fun to make fun. But, yeah. All right, back to Tari Eason. <laughs> I, could, I could see Goat Leaves getting pissed. He's like, we've only got an hour to talk about it. <laughs> Sorry, go, go, go ahead, Goat. I'm seeing. 
I just want to clarify what I meant about Tyrus Thomas. I just meant like very athletic guy who's like running all over the place and kind of have similar body types. I think there's also a big difference between what you said of like, this is the sec was the second overall pick and like, he's going to be a franchise changing player versus like sort of a, first of all, I think that kind of player would work better in today's NBA if he could shoot. But secondly, like he's the 18, he's going to be maybe the 18th pick. Like this is not a franchise changing player. Tyrus, the Tyrus experience was wild, but, and I do like that kind of player in general, but I, I think it was more sort of a, you know, in, uh, in theory. I'm going to ask Will to give me like his for real all-time bull starting lineup. Like forget it's greats five, and names. Five Tyrus Thomases out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Is that better or worse than five Javantes? Give me five Javantes. Uh, all right, before we offer you all our final thoughts on uh, Tari Issa, Big Dave. Yes, sir. Uh, give a shout out to our newest and bestest oh, friends. Young Owen. Over there at Owen. Owen. Because Owen's Owen. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like boy, that. I got a million of these things, baby. I got a million of them, y'all. But it is a wonderful, beautiful, delicious wonderful product y'all call Owen that you all need to know more about a hundred percent plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works as hard as you do and all of those products free of artificial ingredients allergen friendly no gluten or dairy and it's easily and wonderfully digestible and you know who else reps this hard know who else just reps this harder than this wonderful young man that you're seeing on your screen right now and i ain't talking about will the go gottlieb I'm talking about this guy right here even though he is wonderfully intelligent put will back don't take the thrill away give me the thrill man you know who reps this harder that man justin fields qb1 qb1 sir if you want to be qb1 and be down with that you got to be down with Owen, y'all. And to be down with it, we're going to make it even easier for you here at CHEO. You can get 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com, y'all. And use this code right here, CHGO20. One more time, that's CHGO20 at liveowen.com. So hang out with me, hang out with Justin Fields, and enjoying how this wonderful product tastes. Owen! A wins, a win. Oh! <laughs> um, going back to things that you do believe that, uh, you know, Tari can improve upon at the NBA level, Will, things that maybe aren't as big of a concern to you, is is the foul trouble that he showed in college a concern or is it something you think he can clean up? Because, you know, I, I mentioned it when we were first talking about his defense, uh, that he did definitely have a, a knack for getting in foul trouble uh, at since he... Uh, as well as LSU, it wasn't quite as striking, but I, like I think I recall going back and seeing that one of his games his freshman year at Cincy, he fouled out in like six minutes. What? Uh, yeah, yeah like, and, and again, that, that's just like playing really aggressive defense, yeah. but finding yeah. out how to do that without getting yourself in foul trouble. True. Yeah, I think that's a challenge for a lot of young guys, especially bigs. And when you when you're kind of like in between and you're able to play a little backup five and also guard guys on the perimeter, like you're gonna be a very aggressive foully defender. Like Mark Williams definitely has a problem with that. Uh, Jalen Duran, very big problem with that. Like it just, you kind of learn where to be and how to position yourself. So I think that's one thing that I'm not super worried about, although it's definitely, you know, a thing that exists. Um, but yeah, I think for me, 
because there are there's like a basis for him that has shown that he can do certain things, whether it's make jumpers or, you know, face up and get to the basket, whether it's transition or in half court, like I, I would rather see things, even if he's not good at them. And because if I see them that I believe that he'll get better at them, as opposed to a guy who can't or hasn't showed something for whatever reason, whether it's like just filling a specific role or hasn't been allowed to do it or can't do it because there's just no basis to believe that he will. So between shooting a lot more and shooting a lot better, getting the free throw percentage up and changes mechanics, I really do think he can develop his jumper. Maybe it is the same situation as Pat where Pat is like a high percentage shooter, but like very unwilling <laughs> to a certain extent where he's just like kind of afraid. And like I said, the Bulls don't need any more of those guys. So it's not like a clear home run, but I just love that kind of player, that kind of versatile defender who can really spark your transition offense and, you know, won't kill you as a spot up guy. Yeah. What I like here in, cause Will kind of uh, talked me into something here. I wasn't looking at is him playing, you know, in that small ball yeah. role. Cause I wasn't even thinking of him in that kind of role. Like when I'm looking at his game, I'm like the three or the four, you know what I mean? Like you're going to have to put the ball and you're going to have to score. But with, if he does, he can get away with playing the five with the way he plays defense with his length and his athleticism. And we saw Derrick Jones Jr. do it already. And this is a bigger version, younger, more athletic guy than that. So I think he can get away with that. And, also, because that second unit is going to need that more of that defense. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? They're, they're definitely going to need that. And that could be a problem because one thing the Bulls showed is what they're great at was being in transition. You know what I'm saying? That was what their bread and butter was getting out and getting in transition. So if you got Caruso, Io, let's say Pat, uh, and this young man here out there on the floor right now, you're getting some steals and you're running. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's what's going to happen. So. Yeah, I, I can see him fitting on this team, you know what I'm saying, in that sense, coming off the bench and giving them those minutes there. It's easy that you mentioned second units uh, and Eco being in the comments, uh, bringing it up as well. LSU starting out 11-0 with Eason coming off the bench and leading the team in scoring steals and wow. rebounds. That's and that, that's something that is also impressive that's when you impressive. think about <laughs> yeah. who this young man is. He made the all-SEC first team as a guy who coming off the bench impressive. like he won sixth man of the sec sixth man of the year and was named to the all sec first team how do you do both of those things in the same season that's that's impressive rare. yeah that seems rare yeah that's that's i ain't got nothing for that that's damn impressive right there man for real i think what just one last point i want to hammer home is just the importance of having these kind of guys in today's nba like you could i he may not be like the most skilled player that's available at 18, obviously, because there are other guys who like have more craft or are better shooters or whatever. But I think just being talented and athletically gifted is a skill when you're that size. And the Celtics, the Bucks, the Nets, the Heat, the 76ers, like they all have a bunch of big wings that you need to be able to defend somehow. You look at the Raptors, like they're only building with guys like that, like OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam. Like you need to have those guys in today's NBA. And it's definitely a risk when you're talking about a guy who like is a little shaky with the dribble or doesn't have good footwork and doesn't really like have a super reliable jumper. There are flaws there for sure. But I, I think you kind of have to make a bet that you can clean some of that stuff up, that you can like you know, shave down the edges a little bit and turn him into a skilled player when you have so much to work with.
from like a phys- physical tool standpoint. Will, real quick before we get off, can you see him becoming like a Grant Williams type of player? That's kind of where my head goes a little bit, just in terms of the switchability. And then if he can make an open shot, it's even better. But big, can switch, athletic. Yeah. Yeah, I think he has similar skills, like certain similar skills. Um, the switchability, I don't think he's going to be like, like Grant Williams is so strong that right. like he can right. basically stop Giannis from posting up. Like that that was incredible. And probably not something that Tari will be able to do, certainly right away. But uh, I think he probably is able to switch and guard the perimeter a little bit better than Grant Williams. Um, Grant Williams is an incredible shooter at this point in his career. He's like over 40%. Eason's probably not getting getting there, but I do think he adds a little bit more versatility, a little bit more athleticism, better transition player. So definitely some similarities there. But I think in in a certain way, like Eason has a little bit more offensive, untapped offensive upside where you're kind of only getting that spot up shooting from uh, Grant Williams. All right, y'all. That is it. We are sadly out of time, but fear not. We will be right back here for our final in-studio show of the week. Same time, same place, 3 o'clock tomorrow. Let's do it again. We're continuing on with our draft profiles. You know who's on deck tomorrow. Who's that beat? Santa Clara's Jalen Williams. Oh, shout out to John Saber. Looking forward to that one. And we will roll on with our Bulls draft history countdown you know who's on deck tomorrow? Please tell me. Let's just say y'all better bring your hard, hard hats and lunch pails. Oh, that's called a tease, ladies and gentlemen. Tease pack. And we'll give y'all a little preview of the NBA Finals, which start tomorrow night. Yes. Like 27 hours from now. A little bit. Finally. A little bit. And I'll let you guys make new picks because I already made mine oh, about a month and a half ago. Yeah. Oh, look at this guy. You are about relentless. <laughs> he is. He, he likes being right. You know what I mean? He likes yeah. enjoying being right. Time. He enjoys winning. Yeah. <laughs> Just like I do when I won the what if draft right here, ladies and gentlemen. This guy. Thank you very much, Joey. Thank you very much. Very kindly. Thank you, y'all. Thank you. And thank I'm you. I'm clapping. I was clapping. Well done. Oh, thank you. Well done. <laughs> uh, thanks and shout out to our pal, Joey. Um, follow Big Dave on Twitter at BowBNWL Sports. <laughs> Will the goat Gottlieb is at won't Gottlieb on Twitter. I'm Bulls underscore Peck. We are CHGO underscore Bulls. Keep following us. Tell your fellow Bulls fans to follow us. We're we're close to that four thousand yet. We've still got like seven hundred and some to go. Or six hundred and some to go. Some some healthy food. You already voted on it. You want to see it? You know how to get there. You know how to get it. Give us a follow. Give us a follow. Um, we'll see y'all tomorrow. Yeah, three o'clock Chicago time. A full show on deck. It'll be a lot of fun. Until then, Will. Be safe down there in Brazil. Brazil. Have fun. And Bulls Nation, appreciate you for tuning in. Keep it here. CHGO Sports YouTube channel. Plenty more content for you with the baseball folks coming up later today. See you right. Be good.